I'm Dr. Jay Anders, and this is Tell Me Where It Hurts, where we discuss some of the big challenges in health IT and how we can solve them so clinicians can do what they do best, care for patients. Well, I'd like to welcome everybody to our next podcast in the series of Tell Me Where It Hurts. Today's topic is natural language processing, which has kind of come to the forefront in the last week or so with Microsoft's acquisition of Nuance and all of that and what it entails. So we're going to talk to uh, Tim O'Connell, who is the, he's a practicing radiologist and founder of Intelligent. Uh, He and his Intelligent team has developed one of the world's first deep learning medical natural language processing engines. Intelligent works with customers to fix healthcare by unlocking that valuable data that's in medical records. Dr. O'Connell is also Vice Chair of Clinical Informatics of the Department of Radiology and the Uni- at the University of British Columbia. Dr. O'Connell also holds a master's degree in engineering, internet working, and Bachelor of Science in Neuroscience. So today I'd like to welcome Tim O'Connell. Thank you, Jake. Good morning to you. So, you know, given, given all the things I just kind of mentioned with Nuance and Microsoft, and of course, Google is not out of the game and Amazon also is playing in this space from time to time. Let's talk a little bit about what NLP really is and what it means and how it's useful in healthcare. Sounds great. Absolutely, Jay. So in healthcare, as you know, um, anytime a caregiver, uh, a nurse, nurse practitioner, doctor meets with a patient, we have to keep records, right? The patient has, you know, come to us looking for help and we need to record that because we work in large teams and we want to make sure that we communicate efficiently and effectively with the rest of the team. So, um, and the best way to do that is literally by prose, right? Jay came to see me today with a three week history of knee pain. That already tells me so much, but there's this asymmetry in information usage in healthcare, right? As a, as the next person down the chain, I may not want to read a one page letter. I may not have time for it. I just want to know like, why were you there? Right. And it's knee pain. So, you know, or I might want to look in your chart and because maybe 10 years later, you show up with knee pain. And I want to know if there's a history of knee pain. So NLP is a technology that allows us to do that, right? It is a technology that allows us to deal with this asymmetry in information storage and then how we need to use that information later, right? Think about a researcher. Maybe they want to find all the patients who had a history of knee pain because then they want to look at their MRIs or something like this to try and uncover some, you know, phenotypic thing. So NLP is a technology that can help us solve that by having computers read and understand this human prose and then structure the information. Interestingly, there's a, there's a lot of confusion out there in healthcare IT regarding what NLP is, what its definition is, what it's made for. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had, that's a great description of it. Um, but there's a lot of confusion with how AI plays mm-hmm. into NLP and vice versa. I mean, your company has made a very great engine that does this, but can you explain a little bit the difference between AI and what natural language processing is? For sure, Jay. I mean, AI is a very broad umbrella term. It's a really useful term and I hope people keep using it. Um, But really what AI means is a computer or machine that's doing something that mimics what a human would do. You know, one thing that humans do is we read notes and we understand language. We communicate with each other. And NLP is the branch of computer science that is computers reading 
human-produced text or even computer-produced text and understanding it and doing something with it. So it's more that, you know, just like machine vision is a type of AI, so is NLP. When you think about your space in the NLP world and all the people who are playing in that right now, some with very, very deep pockets, uh, what makes intelligent different and, and how do you see yourself fitting in and competing and what do you offer that's different than some of the more mundane things been around for years? For sure. It's a great question, Jay. And, you know, one of my favorite stories from tech history, and I've got a copy of Thomas Watson Jr.'s memo right here, is that he wrote it in 1963. And it says, last week, CDC uh, had their press conference during which they officially announced their 8800 system. I understand in the laboratory developing this system is only 34 people. And then he goes on to say, in contrasting this modest effort with our own vast development activities, I fail to understand why we have lost our industry leadership position by letting somebody else offer the world's most powerful computer. So David Goliath, you know, is a famous story from history. And sometimes it feels like that for us as well. But we're different for two reasons. Uh, one, we're very lucky to have our, our chief technology officer, Dr. Anup Sarkar, who did his PhD with one of the most famous people in NLP, uh, Dr. Ervin Joshi at University of Pennsylvania. And Anoop has been working in NLP since 1992, 1993, particularly in the areas of machine learning and deep learning in NLP. And we've taken Anoop's um, talent and knowledge and skill, and I've worked with Anoop to really try and build our NLP engine in the way that care providers want to use NLP. And so first and foremost, um, this really is, is something produced by you know, a care provider and an NLP expert to solve the problems of care providers in, in healthcare. This isn't something that a bunch of people working alone who are NLP experts have produced. And so you know, we're extremely focused on like the balance between precision and recall in our output to make sure that we're not you know, we're clinically safe. We're not providing information back to a care provider that would be problematic. And the feedback we've been getting from our customers actually is that, you know, they've tried all the big names and they like us better. They're like, you're more accurate. Your approach is better. You know, you know, this is something we can build into our products. Whereas when we use the competition, that's not. Always um, doing it better is a great thing. <laughs> absolutely. You know, there's a lot of, there's also a lot of cloudiness in the market right now of, yeah. well, along the lines of, I, I can't imagine this ever happening, especially in a rural healthcare setting mm -hmm. where connectivity is bad and you don't have computing power and you've got to do something. But this whole idea of hanging a microphone in the middle of the room and recording everything that's said in some kind of magic, and it, it, that's the way it's described, it's magic, happens in the background where all of a sudden it deciphers what I'm saying, what the patient's saying, what's important of what I'm saying and what the patient is saying. And when I think back of my conversations as an internist in an exam room, I'm talking about the patient's family. How's grandma doing? Uh, did you ever go to that trip you were planning to do? Things like totally unrelated to, to why the patient is actually there. It's that kind of art of medicine. So yep. all that's going to go somewhere. It's in a computer. It's starting to decipher everything I say. So what's your take on that? I mean, I, I find that fascinating and impractical, but mm -hmm. that's, you know, a guy who's been in internal medicine for 20 years. 
Well, I, you know, Jay, you're, you're the expert there for sure. Right. And, and most importantly, you're the expert in the, the care provider patient relationship, right? I think there's so many issues with regards to this. I'm, I'm not at all poo-pooing what sounds like a magical and potentially wonderful thing, right? But I mean, um, many patients come in to discuss something deeply personal with you. And uh, there's that idea of the care provider patient relationship. So to have to record literally everything that is said in the room, first of all, can change the dynamic to send it off to uh, a company, a complete recording of that, you know, with no sort of sense of what's in camera or, or X camera, you know, there's security issues around that. And then let alone the fact that you and I both know that we are continually distilling what our patients tell us into what are the important facts, right? Patients will, will misspeak, we all do, right? You, you switch around words, you say, you know, you didn't when you meant you did and that sort of thing and your body language can easily imply what you actually meant there. And, and the care provider knows that. And they don't, you don't correct a patient. You don't go, well, no, you told me you didn't have any pain, but you just said you did, right? You, you know what they mean and you record it. And then now what we're potentially doing with this is we're taking something and somehow recording it verbatim, or we're using you know, uh, a deep learning engine to distill it into what it thinks is important. That's difficult. I, I'm hopeful that someday, you know, some technology like that can be safe and, and, and good, but there's so many issues around that field right now. And, and I'm really worried about that care provider patient relationship there and, and making sure that we're accurately recording what our patients are telling us. One of the things I would uh, teach my residents and medical students at the University of Illinois is watch your patients come down the hallway Always. and go into the room. Yeah. Just watch them. Yeah. You'll learn so much about why they're there, how they're feeling, how you're going to interact, all of that, which is little nuances of, of healthcare and, and how you're going to approach a patient. Yeah. But uh, I just don't see that, that kind of mic in the sky approach working very well when it comes to all the other things surrounding patient care and a patient visit. That the other absolutely interesting thing that I've been reading about and, and talk to other people about is how physicians want to dictate their notes. They, they've dictated forever. Yep. Some people are now great typists. I, my, <laughs> in particular, my primary care, she flies on that keyboard. I've never wow. seen anything like it. She is a marvel. <laughs> but most physicians, they, they want to talk or dictate their notes. But yep. out in the marketplace, they, there's this idea that that's a panacea for everything. Now I can just dictate and it's not, I don't have to worry about it anymore. It's going to decipher everything I say. And it's, it's going to take over the fact or take over completely the fact of looking or typing in or tapping in certain mm -hmm. elements in a note. Yeah. Because, you know, as well as I do, sometimes structured noting is very, very easy and, and actually very accurate and fast. You yep. don't have to speak it. Yeah. So What's your take on that about NLP being the overall overarching, we can fix it all? Um, I think anyone who's actually used NLP software or tried to create their own knows that it's, um, it has some amazing strengths and some amazing weaknesses. I think, you know, as someone who, who dictates notes uh, continually on a daily basis as a radiologist, um, knows that there's lots of issues with speech recognition and accuracy. Um, and knows that 
Um, certainly in some cases for some things, some things you want structured stuff, you want to tap it in. And for some things you want narrative stuff and, and you need both. And the idea that you can take a really complex narrative, right? Like, you know, in cases where patients have pancreatic cancer, we're trying to describe the extent of the tumor and how it relates to the adjacent structures, which is really, really important for hepatobiliary and general surgeons to somehow take the almost infinite ways we could describe that and then somehow auto turn it into a structured note that would be accurate hundred percent of the time would be um, an extremely difficult sort of micro task here, just as sort of one vignette as to what some people are working on. And it's not to say it's not possible. Like, you know, there's a whole idea with deep learning. If you've got an infinite number of notes, you can achieve hundred percent accuracy. But the problem with deep learning, as we know, is that it has failure modes that humans would never make, right? If you like, let's say you show a machine vision thing, a chest X-ray that upside that's upside down, it might say it's normal, right? Whereas it, you know, I could teach my five-year-old child that a, you know, a, a, an upside down chest X-ray is just an upside down chest X-ray. <laughs> You know, it's the old infinite number of monkeys routine. If you have an infinite number of monkeys typing at typewriters, you're going to type all the greatest works of literature. It was the best of times. It was the blurst of times, as they said. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the work that um, Metacomp and Intelligent have done together and how that has kind of focused and why is it so promising because of the fact that we're talking a a similar language or a a set Mm -hmm. of terms that are more doctor think than doctor speak. So what's your take on that? So first of all, you know, when I learned about Medicomp and medicine and what you guys are offering, I was just enormously impressed. To me, medicine is like someone has taken all the medical knowledge of a doctor's brain and somehow encoded it in a computer, right? You have all these concepts and synonyms and they're linked to these unitary concepts that are then linked to other concepts and relationships, right? Like, you know, that patients with diabetes often have renal disease and micro and macrovascular complications of their disease and, and things like this, right? When I saw that, I was like, I want to do NLP for that, right? I want to be able to take unstructured text notes and code them against medicine so that we can then have this like ultimate way of encoding and understanding, you know, unstructured medical text. And, um, you know, we've done it. Um, We've got a great uh, platform here together. And I think it's, you know, incredibly powerful for anyone who wants to roll out the next generation of healthcare applications today. Well, one of the things that absolutely is true is when I show that to folks, what's possible, Mm-hmm. First thing I get is speechlessness. They just, it's <laughs> like, bet. you did what? And yeah. how, how did you, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Really, they, they stumble over their words trying to describe what they just saw. So, Absolutely. It's so, it's so next generation that you have to step back for a minute and think, well, what can I do now? This solves so many problems. Where do I start? Exactly. So, you know, we've been through this whole year of COVID-19 this pandemic, it's been kind of hard on healthcare IT and hospitals and providers. And when I think about that going forward, you know, providers right now have a lot of pressure on them to do things not actually central to the practice of medicine. You know, there's quality measures, there's HCC codings, they're, um, you know, having to do 
reporting for certain things to certain places, which have nothing to do with what they're doing in an exam room treating a patient. How do you see what you're doing and what we're doing together helping with that burden on providers right now? For sure. So I, I think, you know, one of the problems we have in healthcare is humans are inconsistent. If I read three CTKUBs in a row, the first one I'll call the kidney stones, I'll call them renal calculi. The next one I'll call them a kidney stone. The next one I'll call them a kidney calculus. And I don't know why I do it, right? But humans are just inconsistent. And so, and, you know, you don't want to start off the first four years of medical school teaching people a common set of terminology, as much as we call medical school a four-year terminology class. You can't be like, okay, no, don't, you know, you must only ever call it renal calculus, right? That's impractical. There's just too much to know. So I think the working together, what we can do is we can enable caregivers to do that dictation, to provide that important narrative um, in cases where there needs to be a narrative. And we can then structure that text to code it to medicine, knowing you know, what was negated or you know, what was present and what wasn't present, where there's uncertainty around diagnoses, things like that. And we can then enable them to use the power of medicine to know what is related, to know maybe where they're making a documentation error and they need to, they need to um, dictate something else, right? What I love about Quip is it's prompting, right? When no matter how many, you know, abdomen CTs I, I, I read, I always need to know, hey, did I talk about, you know, the gallbladder? Did I talk about the pancreas? Because sometimes you just forget. And having these intelligent prompts like Quip does really allows, you know, care providers to make sure they're providing the best and most accurate documentation. So working together, these two technologies are just so powerful on so many levels. And, and that's just one, one thing they can do. I, I do believe that if we could get this um, more adopted, physician burnout would actually be addressed right now. And I see a lot of my colleagues, I get calls every week, you know, number one, um, how did you get your job when they're talking yeah. about me working for Medicom? Yeah. Um, things like that. Cause they're looking to get out of medicine. They're tired, yeah. they're burned out, they're under yeah. pressure and stress. Absolutely. So I'm hoping that uh, in the future, this, this can actually be mitigated and we can actually do something to help people. But you For brought sure. up an interesting thing. Uh, you were talking about accuracy and different names and different types of descriptions of things. So tell me a little bit about how Intelligent approaches that, because you're right. You say something differently yep. a lot and yeah. you describe it differently with different patients. So yeah. how are you guys working yeah. with that? For sure. So one of the things that MTelepro, our NLP engine does, is it, is it, you know, as it examines, let's say a sentence, it identifies what are the medical terms in that sentence and it codes them to unitary concepts. So whether you write kidney stone, kidney calculus, renal calculus, whatever, it knows about all those synonyms and possibilities and it will code them to, you know, a unique um, medicine concept, right? Which has a number. Right. We don't mm -hmm. necessarily, you know, humans don't use those numbers in practice, but that's one way it does that. So we are continually, it's an ongoing process. We are training our language models to be able to link these many ways of saying the same thing, all, all to these unit unitary concepts. And that's a, a really important feature of our software. We're not just saying this is a word of medical interest, like some NLP engines do. We're saying, no, this, this, you know, string of letters and spaces means this means this thing, which has a very important meaning in, in healthcare. So from the way you describe that, that's your biggest differentiator is how you're actually doing what you're doing. Uh, absolutely. Right. We use, 
um, physicians to code, um, to do this uh, entity linking, we call it. And it's a very important feature of our software and it just keeps getting better and better. And we continuously update our language models for more and more recognition, right? Like you and I use medical slang all the time, right? You might say, oh, you know, patients worried about esophageal CA, right? Number one there, you haven't said cancer of the esophagus, You've said esophageal, so it's a, a different term. And you've also said CA, which to you or me very easily means cancer, right? But to a computer, does it mean calcification? Does it mean, right? What does it mean? So you have to train these things. So let's shift gears just a, a little bit. Where do you see this technology headed in the next five to 10 years? What do you think is possible? It's got a really bright future, Jay. You know, every... Every month we're adding new features to Intellipro to understand more and more and more, right? The, the ideal goal here is essentially complete understanding, right? In one sentence, right? Jay has a three-week history of right knee pain, right? There's so much there. It's a definitive statement. There's no uncertainty about it. I've referred to you by a proper noun as the patient, right? Not somebody else. You're the experiencer. There's a, a temporal component, three weeks, Right. And, you know, and then a body site and a sidedness relationship there. There's just so much there. And just like, you know, those, whatever, whatever they were, 10, 10 words or something like that. So, but then there's also like how things in sentences relate to each other. There's how the paragraphs in a document relate to each other, this sort of thing. There's so much in how humans communicate both the, the micro and macro structure of our language that we need to understand. And so I think that's where it's going to go from a tech, pure technology perspective. Now, where it's going to go from a use case perspective is it's going to be ubiquitous, right? If, if you or I log on to an online shopping portal, it's going to have all kinds of recommendations for us based on NLP, right? If we're using um, uh, like a, a quote unquote free email provider, there's going to be ads in our email based on sort of what our emails are about. And so, um, you know, this kind of uh, pervasiveness with NLP in the non-medical world, we're already living in it. Now, if you can reimagine healthcare with NLP to be able to do things like, you know, simply to, we work with some, some hospital customers who are in the process of building AI models to continually scan patient charts and nursing notes to find complications of care and, you know, halt them before they progress. There's just so much we can do, let, let alone, you know, improvements to EMR systems, um, improved tools for data scientists and researchers. There's, there's just so much we can do. We can really reimagine um, healthcare. I always ask this question at, at, towards the end of an interview. If you had a magic wand <laughs> and you could change just one thing in healthcare, I, I, I understand it's a tough question. Yeah. Um, in healthcare IT, what would it be? I think, you know what, I come, I have a networking background. I used to work as a telecommunications engineer, right? And the whole internet is built on these things called RFCs, requests for comments. And essentially what they are is they're standards. They say, if my computer wants to talk to your computer, we need to use this standard for communication. And so I, I'm a big fan of standardization. It really is what enabled the internet, right? You can go and read the original RFC for TCP IP if you want, right? I think it was... Um, yep. Uh, yeah, it's from like from the seventies, I think. And so we need, we do need more standards in healthcare, right. For information interchange. And there, there are, you know, great stuff, great work being done. There's HL seven and fire and DICOM in the radiology world. Um, but we do need more of that. Right. And it, it, um, it shouldn't be arbitrary. It shouldn't be, 
it shouldn't be one country specific. It should be international. Um, there's a, a lot we can do, right? And, and that will solve a lot of problems, right? And then coupling those standards with medical education, not to, not to switch into a second thing we should fix, right? <laughs> but, but like, you know, in nine years of, of, you know, 10 years of medical training, I think I got a half hour talk on how to write a note. And so, mm -hmm. right, I think we could improve how we teach our caregivers of the future on these standards and what is required in good notes and physician documentation and care provider documentation for patients so that we start adopting these standards that are out there. You know, that's very interesting because the federal government in the United States mm -hmm. has just changed the way they want to do E&M coding, uh, oh, the wow. 2021 guidelines. And yeah it's gotten away from how many bullets, how many things did you address in a note? So they're not counting bullets anymore. They're doing things like history and physical as appropriate. Oh, wow. As opposed to uh, just, you know, how much you have in your review systems and how much do you have in your physical exam? That's it's wonderful. actually getting towards, and to your point with how NLP can help with this, yep. getting to the point, how do you get an appropriate H and P. Now there's a little problem with that. That's appropriate to whom sure. and it's in the eye of the beholder, but still you have to document. You've got to be able to tell enough of your story. So if I get hit by a bus, one of my colleagues can take over and they'll have enough information to do that without much trouble. Amazing. So, you know, NLP just fits right into that brand new, cause it's, it's going to be a, it's going to have to happen. I mean, the as appropriate history and physical, but it's got to be linked to the thing you're talking about. So they're looking for quality of care and Wonderful. that story will help with that. Wonderful. Yeah. We need more, more, more changes like that in our standards and regulation to, you know, bring common sense to some of these, some of these areas of medicine, right? If otherwise it's a garbage in garbage out problem, if your notes are terrible and disorganized and, you know, there's no standards to them. It's very difficult to parse those notes. Absolutely. And it's very difficult to have patient care that's continual too. Absolutely. Well, any other further comments you'd like to tell um, us and our audience? You know, from my side, I'm bullish on the future, Jay. Uh, we're, we're doing some great things here. I think it holds real promise to help our patients and help our care providers, uh, really to help physician burnout, making documentation better and easier. And I'm just thrilled to be working with Medicomp. You guys have just been so great to work with. It's been a lot of fun. And I do see a whole bright future in front of us with that. If people want to get in hold of you and learn a little bit more about Intelligent and what you're doing, how can they do that? Uh, they can visit our website at uh, www.intelligent.com. They can shoot me an email at tim at intelligent.com. Um, or I think our phone number is one eight seven seven go mtel But, uh, you know, there's many ways to find us. Absolutely. We're out there and we're, we're eager to help. Well, Tim, thanks a bunch for being on our program today. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure. And we'll be uh, talking to each other soon. Absolutely. I'll look forward to it, Jay. Thank you for your time. Thank you. My guest today has been Dr. Tim O'Connell. Uh, CEO of Intelligent, talking about NLP. That's all for today. Thanks for listening to Tell Me Where It Hurts. Tune in to Healthcare Now Radio and Podcast Network each month for the latest episode. To learn more about Medicomp Systems, visit our website at www.medicomp.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at MedicompSys or myself at MedicompDoc, or check out the show notes for links. See you next time.